You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sam Fournier has been doing a great job, as always, covering the team and covering the story this week of the Wizards and the Capitals potentially moving to Potomac Yard in Northern Virginia. He joins us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Sam4, the number 4TR. So I just want to start with just this. What are the chances that this falls through and doesn't happen? It's very real. Uh, I think that Ted Leonsis and Governor Glenn Youngkin appearing together is is a strong signal, but I also have had one source texting me uh, throughout the week that uh, pictures of Robert Kraft announcing the Patriots were going to move to Hartford, Connecticut at one point. So, I mean, these deals, even when you feel like everything's in place, even when you make the announcement, they, there is no signed agreement. This agreement is non-binding. So if the Alexandria City Council or the Virginia General Assembly does not approve it, or if Ted Leonsis changes his mind or is you know, swayed by the district's offer, like this, this could not happen. I mean... Give me your give me your percent chance. I know it's you know there, there's nothing. You're not being held to this. You're not wagering on this. But I, I think people are wondering. I, I thought yesterday felt very definite, and I was around for the Doug Wilder, Jack Kent Cook, you know, Potomac Yard announcement as well. But you know, politicians on both sides of the aisle. The the giddiness at that press conference yesterday was off the charts. Um, it just seemed incredibly definite to me, but. It certainly seems like you and, and others believe that, you know, it, it, it could potentially fall through. So percent chance that it doesn't happen. That's a tough one. Uh, and even though I had a lot of time to think about it, I'm not ready to, to give you an answer. Oh, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, look, look, I mean, yes, I, giddy is the right word to describe how, how people were feeling yesterday. I totally agree with you. Uh, Leontis and Youngkin, um, especially... I think that uh, Mark Warner, actually, the senator, I thought had some of the clearest, most sobering comments, which was he said he'd been at that you know, site before having a very similar announcement for a different team, and it didn't go through. So, I mean, the, but with, with, I think that this, I think that Ted is interested in his IPO. I think that he's interested in yeah. taking Monumental Sports Public, and when you could anchor it at a $2 billion lavish new development um, with, with kind of the ancillary development that could go in around there. I think that's really attractive, especially at a time when sports franchise valuations are changing, you know, for, for so long, it's been tied to the media rights deals. Um, and, and now with cord cutting, that's being threatened. And so you have to look for new economic drivers. And I think venue is a big part of that. So that is a, that is a long filibuster to say that I think that the odds of this not happening, I'm, this is a total ballpark, man. I, but you said I'm not held to it. So I would say like, 25%, something like fairly substantial, but but not overwhelming or likely, I think. Well, that's still much higher than I kind of walked away from watching that press conference feeling yesterday. Um, that's more than, you know, just total long shot hope. By the way, I, I talked a lot about, because I had people reach out to me to say, look, this, this IPO, um, the valuation of Monumental with this deal is exponentially higher than it is if he stays in D.C., and this is a big part of that. I, I want everybody to understand, you're not, if, if, if they go public, you're not able to buy shares actually in the Wizards or the Caps. They don't become publicly traded teams. It's monumental, the, the sports entity that would go public. But do you have any idea how much money, has anybody talked about how much money he'd be looking to raise in a public offering and what the use of proceeds would be? Would it be to go back into his two teams, some of it? 
I have I have no idea. I think like that is a couple steps down the road than than where I'm at. Just having been locked in on is the is the move to Virginia real or not, and and you know kind of the bureaucratic processes that you'd have to do to get there. Um, in terms of like amount of money, obviously I think you know when you look at other teams that have done it, particularly in New York, like that's a very attractive model, you know. And I think that the thing here is for for Ted Leonsis. Yeah, I think that people sort of mock the idea that, oh, you know, your, your anchor tenant at Cap 1 in a reimagined Cap 1 with 10,000 to 20,000 seats is the Mystics, and there's going to be a, a drop in foot traffic. I think that's true. But at the same time, you are now going from one live event venue to two live event venues in the area um, for concerts, for comedy, for things like that. So, so I think it makes economic sense. Um, like, this deal would just make economic sense for Ted Leonsis. All right. Um... Did DC basically sleep on this and think Ted was bluffing? Critics would say yes. I mean, my colleagues Michael Bryce Sadler and Megan Flynn reported that, you know, that there are some people in city government who are saying Mayor Bowser was too focused on the commanders. She didn't take seriously the threat that Monumental would leave the city. And now it, it looks like Monumental will leave the city. And, and that obviously... Um, would be a blow to an area of downtown that is struggling and um, that that Mayor Bowser has talked about revitalizing and and converting office space and and obviously all the federal government employees. uh, That, that's that area I think is, is is in a challenging position and and would get more so if they left. No no doubt with them leaving, it would be uh, come more challenging. So what were the big mistakes? Was it more about not addressing the needs, the financial needs? Was it uh, not addressing the, you know, the, the discussion about crime in the area? Was it being too uh, cozy with Josh Harris and Mitch Rails, et cetera? Well, you know, rank the reasons that they blew it. I think that we're still figuring out how to rank them and how big each proportion was. I think you just hit on most of the broad strokes. Obviously, Ted Leonsis, if you go back and look, like in our newspaper in 2016, Ted Leonsis was talking about how much he loved downtown, how it was, you know, a, a great um, a space for him to be in, and he loved where the city was going. Obviously, during the pandemic, he started to get a little bit more upset. Uh, Ted Leonsis was notably frustrated with the buskers outside his office who were playing loud music. Um, I think that, you know, just the, the city's um, business is the right. I guess I'm saying it on the radio, so, so it has to be. But uh, I would say that. The city didn't take seriously, I think, the economic um, effort that, that Ted Leontes was looking for and, and maybe some of the logistical challenges. One of the big things that, that we reported was uh, pre-pandemic, I think there were um, 21 to 27, something like that, police officers that were uh, stationed outside Cap 1, and, and that fell during the pandemic and afterwards to, to three, and Monumental was making up the difference um, by paying off-duty officers. And I know that you know that's a little thing, but I think that when you talk about what is the relationship between Ted Leonsis and Mayor Muriel Bowser? Those are, are some of the things that add up. And I think that their relationship has, has unquestionably worsened over the last three years. And I think that's a, a part of this. I mean, it, it makes economic sense. There's a lot of other macro factors that we're talking about. But I do think people to people at the end of the day um, was, was a, a large factor here. Sam, 21 to 27 police officers on duty on, on event nights and post-pandemic, that went to three that the city provided. And so Ted ended up paying, uh, did he make up the difference by paying another 18 on his own on event night to get to 21? Uh, according to a monumental official, we spoke about the summer in terms of uh, the relationship between Bowser and and, and that was a main point that a monumental official made to me. Um, I don't know exactly. I, I don't think it was a, a strict, hey, we're paying 18 to, to 20 every night or whatever. Um, but I do know that the, the difference was made up uh, by paying off-duty officers. And why is that? I mean, I, I'm getting off track here a little bit, but why is that? Is that just because of the decrease of police officers overall in the city? And they, they just yeah. didn't have the allocation of, or they didn't have them available? Yeah, I mean, police departments nationwide have been struggling with staffing, and I think that this is this was just a a small, you know, downstream effect uh, from that you know national trend that's happening. Okay, you mentioned Cap One. If they do make this move, I mean, what 
what concerts are they going to get? They, they, the, the, the best concerts, the, the best games, the two large tenants that people know about. No offense to Ted's arena teams or go-go team. I, I don't know one person that's gone to a go-go game. Um, the Mystics would obviously be the big tenant there. Th- that can't be – that. that's not sustainable without those two teams there, is it? It depends, you know, how much money is he having to put in. I, I think – I mean – it's definitely not going to be the engine that it is now, but I would say that like there still is money to be made there. Two venues is better than one. Like it, it makes too much economic sense to me. I, I don't think it's ever going to get to the RFK stadium dilapidated. You know, we're, we're just you know kind of putting teams in there who who will go or who don't have a better place to go. Um, but I think that and, and I think that monumental in its press release is probably overstating the amount of things that they can put there, you know, like putting family friendly events like, like Disney on ice or whatever that they're, they're talking about. Like that's probably overstated, but I I don't think it's nothing at the same time. All right. What is, we're talking to Sam 48 from the Washington post. Um, Assuming that, you know, the the 75% of them, uh, of them actually, uh, you know, completing this deal and moving to Potomac yard, how much does this help Josh Harris and how much pressure does it put on the city to make sure the football team ends up at the RFK site? It helps Josh Harris a bit. I don't know how significantly um, because I still think that it's going to be an uphill battle, but I think it it helps in a couple ways. One, Virginia is now committed and and my colleague Laura Vazela reported that Virginia is going to issue 1.4 1.4 billion in bonds to make this happen, and, and there's paybacks and, and sort of you know different economic structures that will probably be on that. But I mean that's that's a huge chunk of change. It's a lot of political capital you're going to have to spend to get this thing over the finish line. And so I would be surprised if Virginia were as competitive, especially without right. a site selected, to, to come in. So then if you go from three legitimate competitors to two. Um, and, and Maryland Governor Wes Moore, who I wrote a story about earlier this month, you know, he's, he's very much out there. You know, Maryland landed the FBI headquarters. I know that's disputed as well. But, like, um, just going from three competitors to two is, is going to help you. But I will say that um, Mayor Bowser has sort of um, put herself she – has, she has set a floor for the contribution that D.C. would have to be willing to make publicly to the commanders um, by saying, hey, we are willing to give Monumental $500 million. I think that's now exactly. the starting point for negotiations. So yeah, and that's not say, th- that that's outside of what they would have to do from an infrastructure standpoint. Right, because Bowser has talked the entire time about framing the uh, a potential RFK deal as similar to an Audi Field deal, which was the city does the horizontal work, they prepare the land, they do the infrastructure and the team would pay for the stadium. Now all of a sudden you're also saying, "Hey, we're going to throw 500 million dollars of public funding in there." And, you know, that, that's a, you know, that's a more, that, that's definitely a bigger deal than what we were talking about previously. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I mean, I, th- I think it actually, you say at least a bit, I would say it increases Harris's leverage significantly. Uh, you take Virginia potentially out of the mix um, for him, uh, but really it's the $500 million that was that was promised to Ted that is no longer, that is still sitting there, which apparently was pretty easy to come up with at the 11th hour. I don't know. Um, but I, I, but I, think I, want, I think the thing that people miss about Virginia is, you know, like they, you know, there are, there's not a site selected. There's not a public funding apparatus, a stadium authority, which Virginia is creating for the monumental deal. But at the same time, you know, if, if they were to get a, a valuable tract of land, especially, you know, the land out there is very valuable. Development rights, the mini city that Dan Snyder talked about, you know, at the very end, and, and I want to say 2021, maybe. I mean, I, I think that Virginia is still in play. I don't want to say it's out totally, at least from my perspective. Where does Georgetown play starting in 2028? They would still be in cap one. I believe they weren't. If I, yesterday was kind of a blur for me. Uh, but if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, I, I believe they would still be in cap one. Okay. Um, talking to uh, Sam Fortier. Um, back to uh, Ted for a moment. Uh, moving the two teams to Potomac Yard, will this impact his ability to buy the Nats at all if the Nats are actually available? I would say I would say no. Uh, my colleagues Barry and Chelsea would probably have a better read on that situation. But I think you know, wanting to have a, a strong IPO and, and having 
things to offer on your new regional sports network. Uh, a baseball team, particularly if the Madison issue gets resolved, and I know the Orioles, there's been discussions about different people buying them. Um, so I, I would say, like, if that could get resolved, I think that that would help um, in, in the ultimate goal of, of, hey, let's have this IPO uh, debut as high as possible. So we've both dealt with sort of reaction to this in, in our uh, you know own unique ways. Um, me on radio, you uh, via your uh, way of communicating with your readers. What what have you gauged overall uh, in terms of the reaction? If we are judging just by my email inbox and Twitter mentions and some of the reaction I've seen on other people's Twitter feeds, I think the reaction is pretty bad. I think people are pretty upset. And it is notable to me that yesterday after the press conference when I approached Ted Leonsis and said, you know, do you have a second for a few questions, he walked right by me. So I think that he understands. And, you know, he wrote his letter to fans, and, and I get that. Um, and I didn't take it personally at all, obviously, like when, when Ted, you know, walked by. But I think he understands that publicly um, this is going to be a little bit of a challenge from a, from a public relations standpoint. Yeah, I think he should have addressed that uh, a little bit yesterday. I, I think that would have been more advisable. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I agree, but at the same time, I, I don't know if, like, if I'm his PR person, not to do their jobs, but, like, what, what, is, the, uh, what is the benefit to addressing that beyond the statement that you made saying that our market goes from Richmond to north of Baltimore and we feel we're committed to the whole DMV and kind of, you know, not saying the quiet part, which is we're not necessarily committed to D.C. proper, we're committed to the whole DMV. I, I don't know how fielding questions from us other than maybe – transparency, accountability. I, I did find it odd that Ted said in his remarks, hey, hold me accountable, and then did not take questions. I, I thought that, you know, was um, interesting. But, I mean, I, I don't know if he wins by, by talking to the media yesterday, I, even though I obviously would, would have loved for that to happen because I had a bunch of questions for him. Yeah, no, that that was certainly something that stood out to a lot of us as well. Um, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Of course. Thanks, Kevin. Sam Fortier, everybody from the Washington Post. The uh, phone was a little bit sketchy there for a little bit, but I think we got uh, all of it in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there's a way to yesterday um, not be so excited uh, or to be excited and at the same time acknowledge that this is not and was not a good day for the city if ultimately this thing actually goes through. Uh, you know, as a steward of two franchises with Washington uh, as its first name, um, perhaps he could have said something more other than hold me accountable and then not take questions. All right, uh, up next, uh, Paul Charchian will jump on with us. We'll do some fantasy football. We're getting to playoff time for a lot of you. Uh, so he will have all of the advice and more uh, when he joins us next. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980, theteam980.com. We are also free and live on the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Paul Charchian is with us as he is every Thursday at 1125. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, tonight is 
one of three left. One of three Thursday night games left. I mean, <laughs> it, it it just it it's sad when we approach the end. I we still have four weekends left of football, but before we know it, we'll be in the playoffs and Super Bowl, and it'll be over. Um, charges are. Uh, yearly uh, and football season fantasy football expert. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Charchian. Listen to his podcasts, uh, Fantasy Football Weekly and Chop, wherever you get a a podcast. Um, By the way, quick um, question for you just to clean up some housekeeping here in our own league. Yeah. So no longer are the chopped players from the team that, that lost last week, they're not available? That's right. So, you you know, now you've got to, and we do that because, you know, the teams getting chopped now are just like, it's all superstars. So we're just trying to balance the, 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 the playing field a little bit, like almost like having a trade deadline. And so you go to war with the team you got, but you can still pick up other players that are available, just not the ones that were chopped, not those superstars. So the that money that I have left to spend, it's it's meaningless. I should have spent it all. No, you can still pick up free agents, and there are good free agents in your league. I'm, I'm looking right now. Brandon Ayuk is available. Dak Prescott yeah. is available. Bijan Robinson is available. Um, Jameer Gibbs is available. Stephon Diggs, go get these guys. Those are, those are good players. So, right, I know, but I, yeah, don't have to bid, can, I don't have to bid on them auction style. You don't right now because the auction phase, the waiver phase has passed. Um, right. But uh, in future weeks, you'll be able to bid on them. So your money isn't totally lost. All right. Um, I got By a the quarterback. Way, nice, I got a nice quarterback. Job this far. I'm impressed. What did okay. you say? Good, good. You have a good team. Nice job getting this far. You've been riding Tyreek Hill most of this way, which has been uh, very helpful for your squad. Especially since I auto drafted him, um, uh, but anyway, um, all right. So here we are with a, a a dog of a game on Thursday night. Let's just start is. there. Is there anything for anybody to pay? Like if you if you're not picking up Easton Stick for tonight, are you? Is there anything in this game that's startable? Well, I think the Easton Stick story is pretty great. Um, you know, do you remember? Do you remember any part of his college story? I, he's from either South Dakota or North Dakota, much closer to where you live than where I live. Yes, North Dakota State Bison. Uh, and he was the starter for three years, and all they did was win the FCS championship all three years. He went 49-3 and as a starting quarterback wow. and then got drafted by the Chargers. He's been the backup for five years, so just basically you know, the, entire, uh, the entire career of Justin Herbert. Um, he is a deep ball passer with decent arm strength, and they let him throw a couple of deep passes uh, in that roughly half of a game that they played last week. Um, but he's also a very good runner. And when these teams met in week four, Justin Herbert ran in two scores. Um, by the way, Kevin, the Easton stick anytime touchdown plus 550, just saying. Um, Max Crosby may not play in this game either, which would well, help then. Easton stick quite a bit. Uh, no yeah. Keenan Allen here, but they get Josh Palmer back off IR. Um, not exactly a push because Keenan's great, but uh, but that's helpful. So, you know, there's a little angle there for Easton stick. He's not. He's a non-terrible backup quarterback, and in a league where we're seeing, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, yeah, it's I, like non-terrible is about the best I can say. But but what's funny about that, and I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. It's like, okay, we've gone through the Jake Browning. He looks terrible. He, you know, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's not. Uh, the uh, Dan uh, uh, Devito, uh, terrible. Yeah. Now he's not. Dobbs was that way, and then Dobbs turned into a pumpkin. Now is Easton yep. Stick the next guy? You know, he did not look good coming off the bench in their loss against Denver. Maybe he lights up the Raiders tonight. Maybe I ought to pick up right. and start Easton Stick tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I don't you have to go so. quite that far. But, no. uh, but you, you do would not you recommend Jared that. Goff, which is tricky. Yeah, so I, I think you can do better than Jared Goff. But, yeah, I don't think yeah. we're really far. What about Austin Eckler? So, you know, Eckler's going to play. Uh, he scored last week, which was good. But I he's lost his auto start privileges in fantasy football. I mean, half of his games have been just duds where he's fit, where he finishes as running back 25 or worse that week. And a lot of weeks aren't even 25 teams playing. So well, at least some with the bye weeks. So he's got some season ending ability for Austin Eckler. 
fairly plus matchup against the Raiders, though. Sixth most total yards to runners, seventh most touchdowns to runners, eighth most yards per carry. And they're going to want to de-emphasize Easton Stick a little bit, so he'll probably get a lot of work. So you probably start off to Eckler, but we don't we don't love him, and he's always dangerous here. Is Eckler near the top of the list of the biggest 2023 fantasy disappointments? Number one, in my mind. I just annihilating teams with these dud games. And his dud games are bad. I mean, they're like, you know, 25 rushing yards and, you know, 20 receiving yards. It's just killing you. So he was number one and Patrick Mahomes, number two. You know, for guys who have pre- predominantly stayed healthy, played right, most of the Right, I was going to say, games, Justin Jefferson missing all those games has obviously hurt anybody yeah, that had him, but he was right. injured. Yeah. That's right. So we're taking the injury thing off the, off the table. So, yeah, yeah those those two as players, you just you felt compelled to start every week, even if they had a bad week last week or a couple of bad weeks. You felt like you always had to start them, and then they gave you duds. So yeah, it's those two to me have been the the, the those two have been the, the biggest uh, fantasy assassins on the year. All right, if you need a quarterback for the postseason and he's available, would you take a flyer on Joe Flacco, who's got five touchdown passes? in two games, and he plays the Bears on Sunday in Cleveland. Here's the tricky thing. And by the way, I mean, Joe Flacco looks better in this offense than any of the guys who, like, you know, were on the team all offseason. They got all the training camp reps. I mean, this Flacco looks like a natural fit here. Uh, I credit him, Kevin Stefanski, 565 passing yards in these last yeah. two games. You mentioned the five touchdowns. But here's where it gets tricky. Several drops, too, One, by the way. That's a good point. Um, it had there have been several drops. Uh, Amari Cooper had a critical drop last week that I remember yep. seeing. The Bears' defense is getting really good, really good. They've been good against the run most of the year. Now the pass defense is catching up. Over the last five weeks, the Bears have allowed the third fewest passing yards and zero point eight passing touchdowns per game. That's it. The last two quarterbacks to face Chicago through six interceptions and you know they brought in montez sweat that was critical to helping the pass rush and then they've got the emergence of this elite cornerback jalen johnson who's just neutralizing opposing number one wideouts that'll be amari cooper this week so i'm actually kind of down on flacco uh they've got you know a couple of games they got they got two games of tape to watch on him i think the bears are going to make it tough on flacco he's quarterback 19 for me I mean, how about the Bears just in general? I mean, you talked about I mean, the Bears and, and, and the Broncos this year, two teams that were so hideously awful on defense and have yeah. just completely turned it around, and it never happened for our team here, um, uh, which is unfortunate. But the Bears, you know, if they can go to Cleveland and win, Church, they are going yep. to have two games at home against Arizona and Atlanta to get to a season finale, very likely for a playoff spot against the Packers at Lambeau. When I was in Las Vegas last week, I placed the I placed a wager on the Bears to make the playoffs. I think it was plus five hundred. Um, and so, and I'm playing out that exact scenario. This is the this is, this the, is critical the game spot right here. This is the game. They'll be favored the rest of them. Yeah, they're th- and they're only a three point dog Sunday against the the Browns who just beat Jacksonville. Yeah. and there's yep. you know renewed hope uh, with Flacco at the helm. Um, we are talking to Paul Charchian uh, per usual. Um, all right, so here comes Buffalo. Uh, not a big day um, for anybody necessarily last week, but how do you size up Mm-mm. that matchup against Dallas and then vice versa, Dak and company against Buffalo in the biggest game of the weekend? Yeah, so you know, Buffalo's defense has been better than I expected when they when they lost Tre'Davious White and Kyer Elam, their number one and number two cornerbacks. I'm thinking, man, that pass defense is just going to get run over. But they've been pretty darn good, and you know, Dak obviously has been fantastic. But they've you know, Buffalo's pass defense. Get this: over the the last month, they're giving up just 195 passing yards. You know, so there's, you know, this is a good defense. The, the Rasul Douglas acquisition, huge for them. As in five games as a bill, he's allowed a passer rating of 55 in his coverage, 30 yards per game. That's it. So I still like, uh, I still like Dak Prescott. He's my number three ranked quarterback, but this is a way tougher matchup than a lot of what Prescott has seen for the last, you know, like six weeks when he's been riding his way towards an, a, a very possible MVP. So uh, points coming there. Josh Allen's going to get points here as well because, you know, for Dallas, 
the Dallas secondary, once they lost uh, um, Trayvon Diggs, Diggs. that secondary is really taking a big step back. And we've seen some explosive games against them, like the DK Metcalf game from a couple of weeks ago. Um, And Stephon Diggs, you know, his brother's not there. Stephon in a big spot probably does well because I, I think this secondary can be beat. And for whatever other problems Buffalo's had, Josh Allen has predominantly played pretty well for the last couple of months. I, I think a lot of points. I think there's. I think the over is going to hit in this one. Um. All right. Uh. Lastly, you know the 49ers and just. I mean, it, w- what do you choose mm-hmm. from from there? Like who? For, first of all, real quickly. Because you, you like these conversations too, and it gets away from fantasy for a moment. But I was going to ask Denton if Josh Allen has a big day against Dak on Sunday and Buffalo wins, is Josh Allen then the front runner for the MVP? Does he pass Brock and Dak? I don't think so. For and start for starters, Brock's going to you know they're going to beat Arizona, and so I think he'll I think he'll continue to coast as the money line favorite, which where he is right now, sitting at roughly plus three hundred. So I you know I I. I don't think he's going to. And then, you know, what is the record? Are they seven and are they seven and six right now? Well, they'd be eight and six that's, if they beat Dallas. They'd go eight and six. With I just back-to-back don't think that's road wins at Arrowhead and at, at at Dallas. I don't think it's going to be enough wins, but maybe. I mean, the quality wins do count for a lot. But at the end of the day, the voters seem to want to give it to a number one seed or close to a number one seed with a quarterback who does well. And Brock Purdy's story is so good. I think people will galvanize on on that more than they probably should. Uh, so I'm I don't not think so. Ca- I guess I guess asking if he'd become the favorite this week is is premature. I, I'm saying that more 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 so, if he plays well and they beat Dallas, he's got a chance to win the MVP over the final yeah. few weeks of the season. How about back in the conversation? We can agree we can agree on that, and with the with the opportunity to salt it away later in the season. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd give you that for Josh right. Allen. Um, and that's remember early remember like that first month narrative. When Josh Allen in September was throwing some bad balls and giving away games, and it was like, what's wrong with Josh Allen? That's all straightened up. All right. So with playoffs starting, quarterbacks hurt all over the uh, all over the league. Just give everybody a few QBs that you know, out of desperation, they can turn to. How about the Monday Nighter? It's going to be Drew Locke or Geno Smith against the Eagles, a secondary that is getting killed and has been all year. Six straight quarterbacks have thrown multiple touchdowns against the Eagles. They're cornerbacks that used to be great. Darius Slade, James Bradbury. Last year, they were just locking down opponents. Their pro football focus rate ranks at cornerback are 48th and 102nd. Their slot cornerback, Bradley Roby, is rated 85th in coverage. Here comes DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Drew Locke, who makes you know, like two horrible throws every every game, still found his way to two touchdowns last week in his first start, and could easily do it here. So, you know, I don't again don't know yet for the Monday night if it's going to be Drew Locke or Geno Smith, but either one, you can pick them up. Eagles see the most pass attempts per game, forty per game, just volume ineptitude. There's a lot of opportunity for one of those two to have a good game here. Well, I think Sam Howell had like 140 in two games against the Eagles in total <laughs> total attempts. Uh, I actually, I think he probably did. Right, Denton have close to 100. I'm probably not exaggerating it by that much. Um, definitely 90 plus uh, against him. I would guess. I'm look. I, uh, I'm pulling up right now. He had a 41 pass game and a 52 pass game. There you go. With your 93 pass yeah. attempts in two games. <laughs> That's. That's a lot against one team. Uh, no, and you know what? As we've watched Philadelphia defensively charge the rest of the year, it's not surprising that Washington's two best offensive days really were their two games against the Eagles. Um, it's and not. It's could have not per game. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to impart wisdom about? Um, I don't know. I think we hit a lot of the big sale. You know, I don't want to spend time on tonight's game. It's a great game to go shopping. Get your Christmas shopping out of the way. You know, if you're gonna, if you're going to, do you still go? Do you uh, go to the Mall of America? Do you do you do the Mall of America, which by the way is right there on the same uh, piece of ground that the old Metropolitan Stadium was on, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. When they demolished the Met Stadium, uh, they they yep, they in right next to the airport, uh, literally across the highway from the airport. Yeah, uh, they built Mall of America, the world's largest or America's largest indoor mall. 
Um, people fly. We have no we have no sales tax on clothes here. It's the only thing we don't tax in Minnesota. Um, and so people will fly in and they'll spend two days just shopping at the Mall of America and, and then they'll go fly home. I find it weird, but yeah. I can't remember the last time I was in a mall. Maybe it was for a movie. Um, but that's probably, uh, that's probably it. I've been to that mall of America. I've told you before, you know, I've spent some time in your city, um, before, uh, and enjoyed it. You've got family here. Um, Well, my wife, my wife was, was, grew up there until she was uh, 11 years old. And so she's still got friends that she grew up with and family friends that are, that are there. Yes. It's a very nice place. And we still, very cold. Yeah. We still talk about her all the time. Uh, What I like about mall shopping is. What I, what I like about mall shopping is you can you can see things you wouldn't have thought of on your own. I can go to Amazon.com and I can Google, you know, I can type in search for whatever I want. But I don't know what, I, what I'm missing on Amazon. You know, if I'm browsing stores, I will see things that I wouldn't otherwise think of. So I think there's still some value to it. I know what, the, the indoor what mall does, is, is What dead, does a but. good friend wanting to buy Paul Churchian a Christmas gift get him? What do you want this holiday season? Well, what I want that I don't have, and it could a winter. Of, I think a great gift. Yeah, yeah. How about a warm winter? Can you give me? Can you give me a, a fifty degree day? <laughs> not in your, not in your area. Great. No. Yeah, no. Um, although it's forties this week, so we're having a great, we're having a great week. The uh, the best gifts to me are the things that you feel like you can't buy for yourself because. They're splurges, right? It's not something you want, but you don't need. I want the new VR headset, the, the MetaQuest 3. Um, it's not cheap, so I can't ask for it, but that's what I secretly want. Because I, I, I love spending the VR, the whole VR thing, man. It's so transformative, and you put the what goggles do you, what on. Do you, like, what do you do with, with, with your VR headset? Prime, what, what are the things that you do with it? play games i mean you can work out there's a bunch of workouts things yeah. for it but honestly i don't do that and the games turn into workouts because you're you know you're walking around moving around you're dodging bullets whatever so yeah you know that's that's what i want fantasy expert right here paul charchi and everybody i'll talk to you next week thanks as always thanks bye-bye all right uh denton's news next Wizards lose big last night to the Pelicans, 142-122. to Another 20-point loss, another game allowing over 130 points. It's the uh, the 13th game this season, or 12th game, excuse me, 12th game this season. The Wizards have allowed over 130 points, or 3-20 on this season. Caps in action tonight. They take on the Philadelphia Flyers. You can hear that on our sister station, 106.7 The Fan. And that's what's trending. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hitting the news you might have missed. It's Denton's Daily News. All right, Denton, what do you got today? All right, we're going to start with some sad news, and we'll get to the happy stuff uh, later. Two passings. We'll start with the uh, the NBA George McGinnis passing away. He's part of the 2017 NBA Hall of Fame class, or I should say Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame class. Two-time ABA champ, ABA MVP back in the day, so he tragically passed away recently. He didn't get into the Hall of Fame until 2017? Yeah, it was him, Tracy McGrady, and Bill Self. Wow. Um, so I saw this news. George McGinnis, uh, those of you who are around my age and are basketball fans, NBA fans, remember George McGinnis. He was 
for me, my first recollection is the 76er teams that he was on. I don't remember McGinnis from the ABA. Um, I remember, you know, I didn't watch a lot of ABA. Although the very first basketball my father bought for me was a red, white, and blue ABA ball. He loved the ABA. He loved Dr. J, loved the way the game was played um, in the ABA. But anyway, um, McGinnis was part of... The, uh, you know, after the merger of the ABA and the NBA um, teams, you know, Dr. J went to the 76ers, George McGinnis went from the Pacers to the 76ers, and the 76ers were supposed to be with McGinnis and Dr. J and Lloyd World Be Free, later known as... um, uh, along with uh, Daryl Dawkins, who passed away recently too, right? Daryl Dawkins passed away, I think, recently. I think I'm right about that. I don't want to kill him off too early. <laughs> um, but they had just some of the biggest superstars in the sport on one team, and everybody assumed, starting in 1976, that the 76ers would win rings, plural. Well, McGinnis never got his. Uh, Daryl Dawkins never got his um, with the 76ers. Dr. J did, but he had he had to wait several years, seven years after this team was put together for Moses Malone to arrive with different players. Bobby Jones was on that team, but Andrew Toney, et cetera. And they won it in 83 with, uh, with Moses at center. But George McGinnis had a, a very distinct playing style. First of all, my memory of George McGinnis with the 76ers, is he had the biggest hands you've ever seen. So they had two players on the same team, Dr. J and George McGinnis, that had the biggest hands in the game. The ball looked like a tennis ball in his hands. He was a a, a mixture of grace and pure athleticism, but he had with these big hands a shot that essentially would come off with just one hand. And so when he would go up for a jump shot, it was almost a one-handed jump shot, uh, borderline one-handed. He was a superstar in the ABA. Uh, He was an MVP, a co-MVP with Dr. J, played for the Pacers, was an Indiana guy, went to Indiana. This was uh, pre-Bobby Knight. Um, But in the NBA, those 76er teams, they got to the finals and lost to Portland in that first 76-77 year, McGinnis was a big part of that team, uh, and they lost in six games to Bill Walton and the Trailblazers. And then the following year, which they were supposed to you know, get it done the following year, they didn't because the Bullets took them out in the Eastern Conference Finals um, and uh, and and went on to win their lone NBA title. Washington did, and then after that, that team started to break up. Dr. J stayed, and Dr. J eventually got his NBA title with Moses, but seven years after McGinnis and Dr. J and Daryl Dawkins and that whole group came together, they were, they were like, for back then, Denton, not that they put it together themselves like you know LeBron did in Miami with Dwayne Wade, etc. But it was like the first group of superstars to all land on one team, and it was because of the merger. And teams, you know, certain teams didn't make it through the merger, although the Pacers and the Nets both did. Um, George McGinnis, boy, seventy-three years old. That's too young. A B. I would have thought he would have been in the Hall of Fame long before 2017. I'm looking at his basketball reference page. Six-time All-Star, two time, two times in the NBA, three times in the ABA. He was the 74-75 MVP. Um, he's an all-time ABA player. Uh, and, yeah, a champ twice in the ABA with the Pacers, but never in the NBA. Interesting. Um Remember him very, very much. All right, what else you got? Uh, so I do have good news for you. You did not kill off Daryl Dawkins too early. In fact, he's been uh, he's been gone for quite some time. What's <laughs> what's quite some time? When did he pass away? 2015. Oh God, it seems like it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it's okay. been like 10 years. Uh, also yeah. passing right. away is Andre Brower. Uh, I know you and I love The Office. Um, I assume you like a couple other sitcoms. I don't know if we've ever talked about Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's one of my. I favorite never watched sitcom. it. Oh, I think you would love it. 
I think you would love yeah. it. And Andre Brower in that show played Captain Holt, who is one of my if we were to do a Mount Rushmore of sitcom characters, I think he'd be on mine with like Michael Scott and Ron Swanson. I thought he was excellent on that show. So I found that out the other day. I'd literally just gotten back from our holiday party. I was sitting in my car, pulled up Twitter, saw it, got real bummed out. So sad, sad news that he passed away. So um, I, I think it's it's interesting because uh, I didn't know him by name, but I clearly know him by face. He was in glory. You know, the Matthew Broderick Denzel debut, um, where Denzel won, and I think he won Best Supporting in that. He was outstanding in that, and then he was very good. Not, you know, he wasn't the significant uh, player um, in a great movie, I'm sure you've seen, Primal Fear, with Richard Gere, Laura Linney, etc., um, but he and, and Edward Norton are in that. So is Francis McDormand are all uh, a part of that movie. So when you, when you told me about him, I, I did pull him up. I didn't know him by name actually, but certainly know him by face. I'm, I'm looking through his, the rest of his, uh, I, I, he's been on a lot of things, a lot, a lot of television of shows, yeah. a lot of movies too, but a lot more television shows. And it's right. funny. Well, that's sad because he doesn't seem that old. No, he's only sixty-one. He's a big drama guy. Like he was, you know, very like very character work. So him being in Brooklyn Nine-Nine with with like Andy Samberg and uh, Joe Latruglio, like it was such a difference for what you'd normally see him as. I thought he drilled it as Captain Holt. Yeah. Have you seen Primal Fear? No, I have not. Ugh. It's it'll be on my list once football season ends. The amount of movies that I have not seen would literally make you walk off the show right now. So I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go down. That it, it's it's Edward Norton's. I th- I think it's probably the first big movie that he did, and he's just brilliant in it. Um, all right, what else you got? All right, so you saw this yesterday. The SEC announced its schedule for yeah. 2024, and hot damn, there is a I would say a very 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 slim chance anybody goes unbeaten next year. If somebody goes unbeaten in the SEC next year, Kevin, it'll be one of the all-time great teams that we've seen in college football history. No pulling punches for any of these schools. Alabama has Georgia in September. The end of September, they Stop for one second. I want you to make sure that everybody knows what we're talking about. The, the NFL has done the big schedule shows, you know, in April or May when the schedule comes out, and they're televised. And the, last night, ESPN ran a one-hour unveiling of the SEC football schedule show. I think this is the first time that's ever happened. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. It was two hours is, too, not just one. It was two hours. Yeah. So is is the Big Ten going to do the same thing? No, the Big Ten's already released its schedule. So oh, that's ESPN, that schedule already out. Yeah, ESPN did it this year because they now officially have all of the SEC games. That's right. No more CBS, CBS SEC games. Yeah. yeah. And this is also so, the first year of expansion with Oklahoma and Texas as well. Right. Well, the Big Ten's got Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA. So Alabama has Georgia in Tuscaloosa on September 28th. But before that, they're making a little trip on September 14th to Madison to play Wisconsin in a non-conference game. Yeah. They also have their traditional at LSU. I think LSU and Auburn are going to be are their crossovers, right? So they're going to continue to play LSU every year, and obviously the Iron Bowl is going to be played every year. Right. But no more is the layup game before Auburn. The SEC got in so much trouble for these layup games. And I kind of think ESPN nudged them as like, hey, these ratings are not as good. So we need you guys to kind of mix and match a little bit. They do have a layup game in November. That's against Mercer. But between that game, Alabama and Mercer and Alabama and Auburn, Alabama on the road in Norman, Oklahoma to take on the Sooners. (laughs) In a conference game, that's crazy. I mean, the, I mean, yeah, they they get Mercer uh, after LSU, and then they finish at Oklahoma and Auburn at home. Maybe they can get beat this year by a fourth and thirty-one. Um, what are the other big highlights? I mean, d- doesn't Texas play? Um, uh, Texas plays Georgia, right? So we could actually see. No, Texas plays Michigan. That's that's what it was that they I saw Georgia last too, night. Though, yeah, they played Georgia also. But in week two, they play at Michigan in the Big House. That could be could be 
a rematch of the title game. We shall see. Yeah, it could. They got Oklahoma as well. But listen, this is my biggest takeaway. This absolute gauntlet to close the season for the Florida Gators. They got um, got Kentucky in October, and then they get a week off. And you got the world's largest cocktail game, November 2nd, Florida and Georgia. Then Florida is on the road against Texas. Then they come back home. They host LSU on the 16th of November. They got Ole Miss on the 23rd, and then they're on the road against Florida State. Well, like you said before, before the bye week, they have their you know annual. Is Florida Tennessee going to continue? Well, yeah. Be, well, I yeah, don't know. Will it? That'll be uh, October twelfth. I don't know the answer to this. Is the SEC going to stay two divisions, or it's going to become one division? Uh, this is this is divisionless now. So it's I don't know right. if they're officially oh. in pods, but they're divisionless. My God, Florida also opens the season with Miami, and then plays A and M. They have a, a non-conference game against UCF. Yeah. What are they doing? <laughs> they want Billy Napier. Their non-conference games, listen to this. Miami, Florida State, UCF. That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I feel terrible. Georgia, uh, Georgia opens up with Clemson uh, on August 31st. Are any of these games, by, by date, games that will be in, on Labor Day weekend, either Labor Day night or that Sunday night? Because August 31st is clearly Saturday, because it looks like that's when they're all playing those games. Yeah, it looks like a lot of September 7th on here, which would all be the same yeah. day. So I'm just looking, I, I wonder what, you know, Some maybe one of these games will get moved. Um who does LSU open up with? Don't they don't don't they play Southern Cal? Oh, actually, you know uh, what? They're September first. They oh, LSU there it is, September first. Southern Cal they in got, Vegas against Southern Cal. And they got so that UCLA would be the Sunday later. night game, like they played this year against Florida State. And then the Labor Day night, uh, the Labor Day night game this year was Clemson Duke. Clemson Duke, yeah, the upset. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, anything else? No, that's all I got for you. All right, we will get to some NFL buy and sell next. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team 980.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.